When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on On the Mark with Mark Carmen, we were at the NBA Draft Combine. Quentin Grimes from Kansas, Tyler Cook from Iowa, Taco Fall, Jordan Bone, all on the show. Also, Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report talking NBA playoffs. Ethan Blumenthal is here to talk about the horse that ran without a jockey. And Dan Selke, winter is coming, Game of Thrones is over. And of course, Ashley Young and me start off the show on the Mark with Mark Carmen starts right now. Big week for On the Mark. I got to start out. I was at the NBA Combine last week. They were in Chicago Thursday and Friday, one of my favorite two days of the entire year. You've got 60-some-odd draft picks. They're all on the west side. Every notable from the NBA is there. Larry Bird walks right by me. I nearly fainted. I don't know what it was about Larry Bird on this particular visit. By the way, hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Ashley Young right here with us as I go through the NBA Combine. Uh, so Bird is there, and over there is the all the Chicago Bulls and just people from all over the NBA. And then there's all the guys, and you get to... It's very hard to get an interview with the NBA personnel because they're all sitting in the room where the gym is and watching games. But then they bring all the players into the back and you get some pretty good access. So I'm talking to these guys and a lot of them, you, know, you just don't know. I don't know. I don't know all 60 dudes that are right. going out for the NBA. But so one of them, Quinton Grimes, who is a guard for Kansas, and he may or may not stay in the draft. And so I go up to Quinton. And I worked in Kansas City. I was at 610 Sports Radio. I've been to Allen Fieldhouse. I respect the Jayhawks. And so these people at the Carm Followers, we're going to get to this in a second here, I would think would sort of know that, but apparently not. So I get to Quentin Grimes, and I said, tell me something cool about Bill Self. He gives his answer. All right, tell me something negative about Bill Self. And I was thinking he would say he takes too long in the shower. He eats the last cookie. Yeah, like he, something playful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I wouldn't say anything negative. Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, Actually, here, let's, let's, let's play the let's, interview. Yeah. Let's play the interview real quick. What's the best part of playing for Bill Self? Uh, probably just how intense and everything detailed he is. He kind of breaks it down to you in practice. Playing in Allen Fairhouse is like no other. Sold out every game, no matter who we play. So right there, just that kind of uh, automatic win if somebody's trying to come into our building. So that's just a great experience for sure. What's the one thing you'll say slightly negative about Bill Self right now that because he's not going to see this video that you maybe would let us know that's tough about Bill on a daily basis? 
Uh, I wouldn't say anything negative, honestly. He's just a really good Hall of Fame coach. Not really too many negative things you could say. But uh, I think he just wants the best for you. He's hard on you. And you like that you have to have a coach that's hard on you. He's wanting to push you to be the best. So I feel like that's not really a negative. It's a positive in the sense that he wants you. He wants the best for you. Again, I wasn't going for anything big. But people think that I was like trying to get Quentin Grimes, Ashley, to just talk all sorts of nonsense like he's got major beef with Bill Self. I mean, Twitter folk out there would have thought that you were like stirring the pot, really trying to get a rise out of him. There's some quality responses. At Spencer Musto, the dude is 20 years old, Mark. You're an absolute joke. At Jerome Kotner underscore media in a nutshell try to push a narrative the look on Q's face when you asked that was man really good on Q for answering such a ridiculous question with maturity my uh, favorite yes who is the complete clown asking questions next time send an intern that's me right here complete clown I'll send the intern next time at Grant Holmes 23 fire yourself <laughs> at top city z72 that desperate for clicks at dust in the wind what is wrong with you at at e pilot who's got old jayhawk is this journalism I honestly i feel like i'm getting trolled by a bunch of just super sensitive morons that who uh but they're trying to defend the kids so i'm like right, right. i, I want to be a little bit nice i see where they're coming from um but i mean if you watch the <laughs> clip you know you're not trying to trip him up you're not asking him anything about his personal life or anything out of bounds I think it's a very fair question to ask if you have anything critical to say about someone you've spent so much time with. And they're, they've been trained. This isn't his first round around media. He knows how to answer that question. Of course he's going to give you some textbook planned response. But these people, man, they came out for you. At KG Hawk, what a shitty thing to do. Really, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, and he goes on to, uh, to try to get people to say something bad about another person. You need to take a good hard look at yourself and then make <laughs> some changes. I see now. I, should I respond to these people? I don't think so. But should we do that right now? That'd be kind of fun. I mean, I could go. See, I was debating whether or not I should respond to them because I didn't want to draw more attention to it because it right. isn't it isn't my best interview ever. Mm-hmm. I will grant that. <laughs> so I I was like debating. Do I? But like, I also want to be like, look, man. Wake okay, up you're, and... you're a human being. You know, there's worse right. things they could have said about you. How does this make you feel? You have a long way to go in order to become a journalist. You should apologize. That was just stupid from at hdan865. Like, is this Dan. upsetting to you? Yes, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little angry, if okay. you can't tell. Like, like hey, <laughs> did, you, did you look at all the interview, other interviews I did? No, mm-hmm. you, you didn't because you, you love the negative stuff. You, just, you love to focus on some video that gets you mad. And then you want to come at me for all your anger, which is, I guess is what Twitter's for. Right. But it's like, hey, man, like, do you re- like, have a sense of something? I'm not trying to like, run down a kid or run down KU. It was, up, it, was a, it was intended to be a fun question. But people just want to be all angry. Oh, gotta- angry, all the- angry online. That's a thing, Mark. Angry, angry. It's being angry online. Let's see now. And I don't want to make this... Uh- I don't want to go where I shouldn't go here, but I do sense a little bit of a political thing going on here, Ashley. How, so how did we turn this into politics? I'm I don't know. I intrigued. just feel like this, I feel like these people are all Trumpers coming after me. That's what I feel like is going on here. No comment. I mean, do I do you think I'm on the right track? Perhaps. I don't know. I'm sure they're fine individuals. Um, <laughs> I got Trumpers after me. I can. At any rate, 
Listen, um, and so I went up to, for the record, I went up to Quentin Grimes the next day and said, mm-hmm. hey, man, I don't know if you saw all this on Twitter. And he was Did like, you see it? And he's like, he's like yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know that I wasn't trying to do it. I was just trying to have fun with you. And right. I'm, like, I'm like, you want to do, want to do a video, set the record straight. So I did this video with him. And, you know, and I'm like, but then I feel like the kid, and then I then I felt guilty about it because I got the kid trying to defend me, and so I so <laughs> so I didn't post it. I mean, that, I have. I think it. that was smart. That's probably your best move. Right. I mean, I don't know if maybe we can discuss this later. Maybe I will post it. But I, you know, I but I wanted to go up to him and say, look, man, I wasn't trying to, I'm to get this you in any also, trouble. It's like bad reality TV drama, like a non-issue. Yeah. And any rate, uh, it, for so for all you KU fans, I just I wasn't trying to do anything bad oh, to Quentin Grimes, nice or Bill Self, or Alan Fieldhouse, or the Wheel, which is a great bar out there right by uh, down the street, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, an awesome place. I have to. Add, what did you learn from this? I learned that wording matters. I learned I learned the way I wrote it matters. I I learned I learned that if you really want to get views, go for the negative because that thing got, did the best of anything I did there. As far as just it's I mean it's got twenty two thousand views. Uh, so here let's let's play. I want to play one where I, I actually feel bad. Tyler Cook, <laughs> f- forward for the University of Iowa where I graduated. I asked him if he knew the fight song. Taylor, can you, can you sing the Iowa fight song? Thank you, Tyler. I have no idea. I don't know the Iowa fight song. You don't know the words? What about in heaven? I know fight, fight, fight for Iowa. That's it. What about in heaven there is no beer? I have no clue what that is either. And so this was just a playful thing, right? I, I just was like, can you sing the fight song? And he didn't know the fight song. He didn't know in heaven is... How do you not know the fight song? Right. How do you not know the How fight song? I did not go to a sports school. Maybe went to one sporting event in five years of my undergrad career. I know the fight song. He, You're an athlete at a big institution. You don't know the fight song. Well, but maybe not. You, you just don't know the words. You hear it. I mean, feel like you've sang it twice, and I know the words. Yeah, but like I don't, to actually know the full words for the fight song, I'd have to look it up. Like, uh, and the walls and rafters ring. Go Hawks, we're going to cheer, cheer, cheer for Iowa. I mean, I know it, but I don't know like exactly how okay. it starts. No, the he's, gist. he's a little bit more, uh, you know, he's, I went to Iowa, I graduated in 96. He's mm-hmm. there now. Or, True. So maybe he should be a little bit more into it. But people are just killing him on Twitter, man. They're just attacking poor Tyler Cook. And like, I didn't want that for the dude. So you just had a weekend, really stirring up the Twitter trolls. Like I, 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 I see, said, people like to be angry. They I, love it. They love it. I, I see him walking by me the next day, and I'm like, I kind of put my eyes down, like, I'm sorry, Tyler. Didn't mean to do that to you. But uh, at any rate, he didn't. And In Heaven There Is No Beer is the song for the record that they play after the fight song, after they win. Mm. It's a phenomenal. What is that? mean it's just a, can in, anyone actually confirm in heaven there is no beer that's why we drink it here and when we're all gone from here our friends will be drinking all the beer your fight song's about death well it's okay that's not the fight song it's just sort of an addition to oh, the fight song an added bonus yeah in heaven it's a separate song oh, in, separate in heaven there is no beer oh and so but i think it's beautiful like be in the moment we're here now let's drink the beer but if you don't believe in heaven do you not believe in heaven? That just seems a little presumptuous. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I got you. Um, we could have a deep combo about heaven. Is this heaven. a religious institution? Well, I... <laughs> I'm just intrigued. I'm intri- it's tw- you said it's 2019. It's different I, times. I mean, I think it's just bad for fun. In heaven, there is no beer. That's mm-hmm. why we drink it here. It's basically saying, go drink beer right now. Have fun. Before you die. Before you die. 
it's morbid. In, in, <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of think it's beautiful. I'm like, if there, I, I'd like to believe there's heaven, but what do we do? We get to play hoops all day in heaven? Is that what it is? I don't know. And then what, if, what if it's awful? Nah, I think, no one can confirm. But it's supposed to be heaven. But I don't know. Yeah, right. Well, well that's why we're human. We can't quite understand these things. My <laughs> favorite guy, who if there is a heaven, I hope uh, will go there one day, Jesus. is <laughs> is, ta- is Taco Fall. Are you overwhelmed over there? I just thought it was a hell of a transition. Well, that's what we do here on the Yield Podcast. Taco Fall, for those who don't know, seven feet six I've seen him listed at seven seven two. Regardless, one of the biggest people on the face of the earth. So at the combine, I asked him about being the tallest person on the world. Tiger, what's one of the uh, the best things about being one of the tallest people on earth? What would you say? One of the best things? Everything. <laughs> I'm comfortable with my skin. Uh, God gave me this for a reason. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love it. What, what's the biggest challenge for you? Because the world's not necessarily built perfectly oh, no, for you. They don't make anything for people like me. Uh, cars, rooms, beds, showers. You gotta, you gotta special, special order everything. But that's that's the fun part of it because you have something that nobody else does. Uh, so. Yeah. Have you always had this sort of disposition where you just put the smile on your face? Oh yeah, I'm always. I, I, that's that's my character. I, I like to be consistent. Um, no matter what happens. So just what a great demeanor from Taco Fall, like this intelligent. It was a beautiful response. I did not expect him to go. He was so assuring with the way that he delivered that. And I don't know. I just didn't expect him to say that at all. Me neither. It was eloquent. It's hard, man. People stare at me all the time. Sometimes I feel like just totally out of place. Well, I wonder, like, how do you shower? Where do you buy pants? Like, I have a lot of questions. Just logistics. Yeah, it's not easy for me, man, to be honest. I mean, I, you know, I got to duck when I come and go into every room. I can't Mm -hmm. get it. I can't get in a car. Mm -hmm. I mean. Even just like, do your legs fit under a normal tabletop? I have so many questions for this man. Right. And if you stand next to him. I mean, he is so big. I mean, seven seven is really tall. He's just impressive. I, I have huge respect for Taco. I think he's an NBA player. I really do. He moves well. He, you know, he, he touches the ball down there. I asked him about like Zion at at uh, at the draft combine. He's like, he's like, I'm like, I'm like, can you dunk on Zion? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not hard for me, dude. I, I. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yes. That's no real accomplishment. Like he right. just down. I'm like. Oh, okay, but you know you're still dunking on Zion. So are we a taco fan like fan club? Is I think we should. One? Should I, we start it? I, I would like to start start the taco fan club. One last guy I want to play real fast is uh, Jordan Bone, who's a guard for Tennessee, and he is playing his ass off out there. I mean, he's just he's taking shots uh, one time, two times, three times down the court, just being super aggressive. And I'm looking at him like this dude really wants to prove a point. So here's Jordan Bone. I'm, I'm watching out there. It, it, it looks like, you know, you, you're here to prove a point. That's, that's what I'm saying with watching on the corner. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that I feel like has, has earned everything that he's received. I've worked hard my entire life. You know, nothing has been handed to me, man. And, you know, I, that's all I ever needed was an opportunity. Um, and now that I have that opportunity, I just have to prove why I'm here now. So, you know, I'm going to take the blessings that I receive and, and just expand on the man. And I'm just super blessed and super humble to be in this situation because I know where I came from and I wear this chip on my shoulder everywhere I go. Um, 
because of the journey that I've had. So not sure if he's going to be in the draft or not. And I don't, to be honest, I don't know if he's an NBA player. He, I think he is, but, you know, this is a short guard who seems like he's, uh, at least from what I can tell, a shoot-first point guard. There's a thousand of them out there. Will he make it? Will he not? But I love his attitude. I came from nothing, and, I, and I'm out here with an opportunity, and all I ever needed was an opportunity. This is not a silver spoon guy. So, I mean, I just, I just really appreciate a guy like that who's in the battle. And, okay, you put me on the stage. I'm going to show you what I can do. Do you have a dream team for him where you see him going? I mean, I, somebody like that, I, I, you know, if he could end up in a great spot like San Antonio where they could, you know, Pop can mold him into playing the right way and, and, and that would mean that Pop appreciates his talent. Something like that would make sense. Um, you know, I, I, somewhere at the end, end of the day, you, if you're a player like that, you want to be on a roster where you're going to get a chance to play 10 minutes a night. Right. And, and uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to – Step in there and doing something. But I just appreciated Jordan Bone. All right, let's move on uh, with our, our final NBA talk of the show, which is uh, Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report, who I sat down with at the Combine. We talked about what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Uh, and he had a very, very, very weird moment with Fred Hoiberg where he just completely interrupted a press conference because he got up and he and it, all over TV, he's, he's, it kind of went viral. So, so here is Sean from Bleacher Report. <laughs> John Hyken, Bleacher Report, covering the NBA. You're you're based out of Portland right now, so it's perfect time to talk to you. What happened to your Blazers in Game Two, man? <laughs> they just kind of fell apart, and you really can't do that. I mean, I mean, Damian Lillard has struggled shooting the ball uh, most of this series, and then they just you know just kind of like you know Zach Collins got into foul trouble, so they kind of had to throw Myers Leonard out there for some crucial fourth quarter minutes, which isn't really what you want to be doing in a playoff series against the Warriors. And the Warriors also just can kind of turn around. You saw, you know, the Blazers had a 15-point lead at halftime. The Warriors erased that in, like, five minutes in the third quarter. And the Warriors, and that's just the kind of thing the Warriors have been able to do during this whole run. It's, uh, so you really just can't take your foot off the gas against them. If you have some kind of lead, you can't let it slip in any way. See, it's funny you bring on Myers-Leonard because I'm watching last night, and we were killing him on the live stream but then he started to actually play well he had some big shots for him I thought like you got a halfway decent performance from Leonard you got uh who else played really well last night out of nowhere that I thought uh Seth Curry hit a couple yeah Seth Curry played out of his head and you lose that game that had to hurt that I think that part of it hurts yeah it's not great and I mean the thing about Myers Leonard is he doesn't have that many NBA skills but he has like like he uh he can hit an open three like that is a skill that he has for all of his other weaknesses, that is something he can come into a game and do. But he's also a guy like, hey, I don't think his court awareness is enough that you can really rely on him for long stretches of time. But, you know, he can give you a couple minutes here and there. He had good games in both of the closeout games, the Game 7 against uh, Denver and Game 5 against Oklahoma City in the first round. But, yeah, when you get that kind of production out of your role players and you have a lead and you're in it against a team like the Warriors, you really have to win that game because now you're at at the point where they're up 2-0, Portland has the next two games at home at the Rose Garden, but you have to win both of those two games or the series is probably a wrap. So you covered the Bulls for a long time where you were based in Chicago. And so now I'm curious, your assessment of Bulls fans versus Blazers fans. Bulls fans are a lot more self-loathing than Blazers fans. I mean, Blazers fans right now, I think most Blazers fans deep down know that it took a lot of luck for them to get to where they are right now in the Western Conference Finals and you know, Paul George's shoulder was kind of messed up in the first round, and they caught some breaks in the Denver series where some guys on the Nuggets couldn't hit a lot of shots. 
But I think all of them kind of just know that they probably don't have that much of a shot to beat Golden State, even without Kevin Durant, because the talent gap is just that wide outside of Damian Lillard, who's been having kind of a rough playoff since the OKC's here. So they're all just kind of feeling like, look, we haven't made the Western Conference Finals since 2000 when they lost to the Lakers in seven games. So, you know, we have struggled to get out of the first round. We lost. We got swept in the first round by New Orleans last year and then brought basically the same team back. And they're all kind of feeling like we're just going to enjoy this ride. And, you know, Damian Lillard now is probably going to sign the Supermax extension and stay there long term. So I think Blazer fans are feeling great about how this season's gone. Whereas now you look at Bulls fans, even before the lottery went the way it did the other night, I don't think a lot of Bulls fans are feeling great just because there's this long track record of resentment towards the front office for moves that were made or not made. And now they just feel like, okay, now how are we going to get back to contention? And I honestly don't know how they're going to. But there's a certain level of loyalty. Like the Bulls have been, I mean, the Rose era was extremely entertaining, but they've been selling out since Mike. And the Blazers, only team in town, but there's just a a ton of, I guess, uh, whatever's going on with the Portland team that seems like the fans are all in. Well, being the only game in town kind of helps. I mean, they have the soccer team, the Timbers, that's really popular there now. And that Portland is one of the few cities in America where soccer has really caught on and is popular as some of the major sports. But being the only team in town is is a different ball game than a team like Chicago, where like if the Bulls aren't doing well, you know, people can go follow the Blackhawks, people can follow the Cubs, people can follow whatever whatever team. Obviously, the Bears as well, but. The Bulls, I think the Bulls are such an iconic brand just because you people associate, even if you're not from Chicago and you're not a Bulls fan, the greatest and most iconic player in the history of the NBA is Michael Jordan. And so every piece of imagery is him in a Bulls jersey. So it's not even just in Chicago, but across the world. There's a reason, like, there's a reason that, you know, Derrick Rose hasn't been himself for eight years, but the D. Rose shoes still sell in China because he's associated with the Bulls, which is such an iconic brand because of Jordan. So it's kind of a different ballgame. So I want you to tell people what you told me yesterday about your experience covering Damian Lillard. Oh, as far as a media member, Dame is incredible. I don't think, when it comes to like the superstars at his level, in terms of like, you know, a top 10 type of player, you know, the all-star, the guys that like casual fans know, the only guy I've ever dealt with who's been as good or better in terms of dealing with media was Dirk Nowitzki, the handful of times that I dealt with him. He was always incredible, but I also didn't cover him on a day-to-day basis. Dame is the kind of guy where... He's never going to run from a question. He, even if you ask him a hard question or a question that's critical about his game, he's always going to kind of give you give an effort to actually give you a good answer and not just shoot you down or just be a jerk about it like some other guys. You know, it was kind of a contrast between him, the way that you know he handles tough questions, and then kind of what Russell Westbrook was doing in that first series. But as far as a media member, you really could not ask for a better star and franchise player to deal with than Damian Lillard. So I think Portland media and fans are just extremely lucky in that regard is that real beef dame and russell i don't know if those two guys have a problem with each other off the court like i think they probably like see each other and you know they probably you know they both have kids they both have families they both probably like ask each other about their kids and stuff so on a purely personal level i don't know if there's really anything but on an on-court level yeah i think those two guys don't go about things the same way and you know i think dame has taken exception to some of the stuff that russ has said because if you remember uh Last season, Dame was talking about how he felt snubbed in the all-star voting, and Russ was basically, I mean, it was, he was making a larger point about how Paul George should have gotten an all-star spot, and he uh, was he was just sticking up for his teammate, which you kind of understand. But he basically said that, like, oh, there were some guys who were just publicly campaigning for all-star votes, and Dame kind of took that as a personal shot at him, and he didn't really like that. And so, plus, there's a, there was the whole thing where, you know, there, there was that clip of them on the court, and 
Russ said to Dame, I've been busting your ass for years. And so I think Dame played with kind of a chip on his shoulder because he's always felt disrespected when you compare it to, like, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook and these guys that have this higher profile nationally than he does. And he wants to prove that, no, I am as good as these guys. I belong in the same conversation. So he kind of has a chip on his shoulder that way. And Russ has a chip on his shoulder because he wants to prove that, you know, everybody just always talks about how he's not a team player and he just hunts triple doubles and he's not a guy you can win with. And he, you know, he shouldn't have, you know, they're never going to win without Kevin Durant after Kevin Durant lifts. So he plays with kind of a chip on his shoulder too, but they kind of manifest in different ways. So it's kind of oil and water when they get on the court together. Is your read on Golden State that they're having more fun playing without KD? Because that's what it looks like to me. It certainly seems that way. You're not going to get me to say that a team that doesn't have Kevin Durant is going to be better off without him because he's arguably the best player in the world right now. He's been the best player of the playoffs so far when he's been healthy. So obviously they, they, they would love to have him back, but I think it, it, it is a little bit of a, just purely from an aesthetic standpoint, it is kind of a throwback to the way that they were playing in 2015 and 2016 before uh, they started, uh, you know, before Kevin Durant came and they just completely flipped up the way that they played. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable because obviously I think, I think they can still beat Portland in this series even if he doesn't play the whole series. And it sounds like he's definitely already been ruled out for games three and four. He might not play five either because calf stuff you want to be careful with because you can really re-aggravate it easily. They're going to need him in the finals, whether they play Milwaukee or Toronto. Both of those teams are a lot more talented than the Blazers. I don't think they can beat either one of those teams in a series without Durant the way that they could beat Portland in a series without Durant. So they need to really take their time and make sure that he uh, is fully healthy in time for the finals. And that means not playing him at all in this Portland series, and so be it. We are outside the uh, NBA Draft Combine, west side of Chicago. Just if you're hearing the noises in the background, that is a bus. That is cars honking. I actually heard a train, too. This is, this is real with Sean Hyken. Well, it's authentic. Yes, this is a very authentic moment. So it's interesting that you say whether they play the Bucks or the Raptors. I got Milwaukee in five. You think I'm nuts? No, I don't. I actually think the same thing. I just like Milwaukee's depth a lot more. I mean, the Giannis-Kawhi matchup, like those two kind of cancel each other out in terms of who's the best player in the series. I kind of lean towards Giannis just because I, if I had an awards vote, I would have voted him for MVP this year. I think he's been the best player in the league this season. But if, when you look at the depth up and down the roster, Kyle Lowry had a really good game uh, in the first game, but you can't really count on him night to night. And then their bench, like, they're really missing a guy like OG Ananobi, who's been injured for most of the playoffs, but, uh, you know, a lot of their guys, like Norm Powell's been in and out of the rotation, Fred Van Vliet has been in and out of the rotation, and Milwaukee just has a lot more pieces outside of Giannis and Middleton. You look at, you know, Brooke Lopez hit a ton of threes in game one, he he really carried them to that comeback win, but then you got Miritich, who's been a good pickup for them, and then George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, uh, even, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, now that he's healthy, he was injured for the first part of the playoffs, but he's back now. I just like more of their depth and more of their pieces that they have that you can put around Giannis. So if Giannis has an off game, they have more different guys who I think can step up. So I'm kind of with you. I think not only is Milwaukee going to win this series pretty easily, I think they have a real shot against Golden State, even with Durant at back. We had an argument last night. Who would you rather have going forward, Malcolm Brogdon or Andrew Wiggins? Who are you taking? Oh, Malcolm Brogdon. Like, that's not even close. Andrew Wiggins has like 10 times the talent of, of, of Malcolm Brogdon. Now Malcolm Brogdon has, has honed in on how he plays the game better. But you can't look at the, this. Andrew Wiggins was the former number one overall pick in the draft level player. You know who else was a former number one overall no, draft pick? You can't say like Anthony Bennett right now. Anthony Bennett, Andrea Bargnani. Like there's so, like, there are so many like, this is just kind of a thing that people run into where you say, oh, well, this guy was the X pick in the draft. And. <laughs> and and then that means that doesn't mean anything. That means that a, a team decided to pick them in the draft. That doesn't actually mean anything correlating to their talent level because 
people miss on guys all the time. Jimmy Butler was the 30th pick in the draft, and nobody thought he was going to be the way. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was a second-round pick, and he won Rookie of the Year. I mean, granted, he won Rookie of the Year because Joel Embiid only played 31 games, but he still won Rookie of the Year, and he was the, what, 34th, 35th pick in the draft? I wanted to be a Wiggins believer for so long. I held out longer than most people. But at this point, especially now that he has this contract that he's on, if you're saying who would you rather have going forward, are you taking contract into account at all? Take the money out. Pure player. I would take Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon, you can say, okay, he doesn't have the talent. He doesn't have the high ceiling. But the floor is a lot higher with Brogdon. You know what you're going to get out of him. He tries on defense. He's a good facilitator. He can hit an open three. He's a good shooter. I just think he's more reliable. Now, I don't think either of them can be the best player on a contender, but if you're asking me which of these two players would you rather add to your team, I'm taking Brogdon because you know more what you're going to get out of him, and he gives you more positives that are definable. Fascinating question, though, right? You love that one out of nowhere. Brogdon versus Wiggins. Who else is talking about that right here on the mark? I hadn't even thought. I, that, now, those are just two names because they play different positions, so those aren't even two names that I had even thought to put in the same thing. But, yeah, it is interesting. One of them is the former number one overall pick who had been – getting hype for the previous two years as the next LeBron and the other one was a guy who was a second round pick and he was a very old rookie and like <laughs> and and but and then which one has had the better career like you, it's why you can just kind of never tell with the draft because somebody's always going to come out of nowhere that you don't expect let's uh let's wrap up with what's your take on what's going to happen with KD I would be surprised if he doesn't end up in New York at this point and it's I don't know the guy. I don't know anybody connected to him personally. Like, I don't know, like, Rich Kleiman or any of those people. So this is not inside information based on anybody in his camp. And only Kevin Durant knows what's going on in his head or what decision he's going to make. But I will just say that this exact time last year, you ask people around what's going to happen. Everybody will, was, was saying basically behind the scenes, LeBron's going to the Lakers. It's a done deal. It's happening. I feel like there's just the exact same amount of smoke around Kevin Durant going to the Knicks. Like, the tea leaves are there. He set up his business office in New York a few months ago. And it just it just feels like that's it, there's too much smoke around it for, for it to not happen. Now, he, he, Kevin Durant is a guy who might just, given the way he kind of has been acting about all this speculation, he might just say, you know what, screw you guys. Just because everybody's saying I'm going to go to the Knicks, I'm going to stay with the Warriors. I mean, I guess that's a possibility, but... At this point, just based on everything we know, it seems like he's probably going to go there. I know that a lot of people I know with the Warriors are kind of operating under the assumption that he's probably gone, and I think they have been for months. But uh, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. But at this point, I would have to guess he's probably going to go to the Knicks. Extra time with Sean Hyken, new segment on the show here. Why do you love the Dunkin' Donuts race so much? I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of like I was bored at a game one time, one of those years, and I just kind of started tweeting about it and. You know, people thought it was funny, so I kept doing it, and it just kind of—it's it's one of those things. I didn't just set out to do that, but I was just like, uh, when I first started covering games at the United Center, like, I was like, oh, this is kind of a funny thing. I'm just going to send out a tweet about it, and a lot of people responded to it, and so I just kind of kept doing it and made it a running thing. And now I still get tweets about it. I haven't been on the Bulls beat in two years, and people still send me like tweets saying who won the Dunkin' Donuts race. So I'm glad I made some kind of an impact on the city of Chicago, if it's even if it's as small as that. So for those who don't know, the Dunkin' Donuts race is a computer race on the big board. There's Biggie Bagel, which is an outstanding bagel. There's Dashing Donut, Delicious Donut, and Cuppy Coffee, which is always my choice because who couldn't use a cup of coffee down the line for going to a Bulls game? Who's your favorite? I'm a donut guy, personally. I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, honestly, it's – it's you, you kind of – and a buddy of mine actually, like – 
I, I, I still have this this document that he sent me somewhere, but a, a buddy of mine actually put together a document about which of the pre-recorded ones, like when one of them starts off or when the announcer says something, like that means this guy is going to win. I have to find my I might be on an old computer or something, but somebody has cracked the code on the science on it. I kind of don't want to see that because I want to suspend disbelief and actually like keep the stats in real time, but... Yeah. Well, the announcer, Phil George F., has passed away for, for about, about five years now. And I did a big take at the time. Do you keep Phil George F. as the voice of the Dunkin' Donuts race? It's obviously a recorded thing. Or do you move on? I thought it was a huge controversy. Nobody really jumped in on it like I hoped. But they kept Phil George F. as the announcer, which I think is an amazing thing that the Bulls do. You got a dead guy doing the Dunkin' Donuts. I don't think it would be right if anybody else did it. It's so it's such an iconic uh, in arena thing at this point that you really have to just keep it keep it classic. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I have one more for you. Uh, oh, I just want to ask you one more thing about Kevin. Do, is your read similar to mine that he just wants to be known as the guy? That's why he's going to go to the Knicks, or is it he wants to play in Madison Square Garden? Like, what's your read as to why he wants to do it? For me, I think he just wants to be elevated, best player in the NBA. And if you can lift the Knicks up, nobody could talk anything about you. Well, I think with him. When he was in Oklahoma City, everybody knew how great of a player he was, but everybody was saying, oh, well, you don't have any rings. You've never, you never won the championship. And he was like, okay, now I need to go where I can win the, have the easiest chance to win a championship. So he goes and joins the Warriors, and then everybody kind of turns around and say, oh, well, it doesn't really count because you joined a 73-win team, and so you kind of took a shortcut. And so then he's, he's like, well, okay, what do I have to do? And so now he, I think another part of it is he kind of feels, the, he sees that like he... The Warriors fans see him as kind of a hired gun. Obviously, they love that he went there because they won two titles in a row and they could win a third coming up. But they're never going to love him the same way that they love Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and the guys who were there from day one of this run. They kind of see him as a hired gun who came in in the middle of the ride and is going to leave. And he might not get a statue the way that like Steph Curry is going to get a statue outside of their new arena and Klay Thompson is going to get a statue. And so I think he kind of feels like, okay, I got my championships, but it hasn't really change the conversation about me the way that I hoped it would and so now if I go somewhere else and I win a championship without the perception that I'm joining a super team that already existed that's going to be the thing that kind of keeps me in that same conversation of the greatest of all time with like Jordan LeBron Magic Kareem whoever did you get a perfect score on your SATs no close no the math the math part I did pretty well on the writing and the critical reasoning I got like a five something on the math I, I math was not my strong suit Okay, you, you strike me as somebody who could, could have gone perfect. Actually, my last question, which I forgot a second ago, but now remembering. When you stepped in front of the camera when Fred Hoiberg was at the table, one of the great moments in NBA coverage history, I thought it was awesome. What You, you, you had fun with it. Like, you were literally on screen, your head's there, you can't see the coach, and Fred says, Sean, what are you doing? Memories. It was actually, the explanation is actually a lot more boring than it seems as it usually is with these kinds of things, Mark. So basically, it, they were they were playing the Cavaliers. and I, I love that you remember the team. Well, no, it, be, because that's actually part of the story. They were playing the Cavs, and I was at the post-game press conference, and I kind of had my recorder up on the table where Fred was talking, and Fred wasn't really saying anything that I was going to use in the story. And I was just thinking, oh, you know what? I need to go get LeBron. LeBron's probably talking in the Cavs locker room right now. I should probably do that. That's probably going to be a little bit more interesting. So I go up to the podium to grab my recorder to go into the Cavs locker room, 
And then I just kind of, you know, sometimes you stand up and you just get kind of turned around and you don't really know where you're going for a few seconds. And that moment just happened to get caught on camera. Like, I wish the story was more interesting than that, but that's exactly what ended up happening. Well, and let me just call you out of this for a second. There's no way LeBron was talking at that point, but you just... Fred he was, though. He, no, was he, I, really? he was. I Fred. go into the locker room and he is talking. And I think it was... And, and I actually remember what his quote was, which ended up kind of blowing up because the Bulls had won that game. This was the Rondo Wade Butler year. The Bulls won that game. or Yeah, the Bulls won that game. And LeBron said something about like, yeah, I know the Bulls always get up to play against me or just or just something like that. That was like kind of sort of passive aggressive, sort of shaded them. I actually that was a fun night because that was I think that if I remember correctly, that was the night where LeBron had to wear a Cubs jersey to the United Center because he and Dwayne Wade had a bet about the about the Cubs and Indians in the World Series. That's that's awesome. I love the story. Sean, great to talk to you, man. Appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, Mark. Loved that moment. Sean Hyken, Fred Hoiberg, LeBron James. Tremendous memory right there. And I sort of think Sean's lying to me. I do think he got a 1600 on his SATs. Let's bring in Ethan Blumenthal. Who did you? What did you do on your SATs? I didn't take the SAT. What did you do on your ACT? I did. I, I graduated from college. Twenty two. I, I got a thing. I did it. It's good. I don't know. It's it's a good number. Are you embarrassed by your number? I don't. You know, I I'll, I would lie. I was gonna lie and say I don't remember, but I, mean, I do remember. But it was fine. Ashley, what did you do? Got in a good school. Okay, so what'd you get in the SAT? It was out of twenty four hundred, so it was nineteen eighty. It's out of sixteen hundred. They changed it back. They changed it when back when I took it. So it's a, it was a thirteen fifty out of sixteen hundred. You got a thirteen fifty out of sixteen hundred. Yeah. So you're super smart. How smart are you? I mean, I'm a smart guy. Look at me. You know, I look smart. <laughs> I'm apparently the only dummy on the show here with the, with, with the 22. All right. Uh, okay. We're, we're, let, well, I definitely let, got better than a 22. You know, so. you know who's not? There you go. Congratulations. I, 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 I own my, my moment in time. You know who was also brilliant is Bodie Express, the Preakness, the 144th running this weekend. This horse kicked his jockey off right at the start, and you think the horse is going to give up. But Bodie Express showed heart, showed resiliency, showed determination, and ran without the jockey, crossed the finish line, didn't finish last. Ethan, I know you want to talk about this, but this fired me up of, of anything over the weekend. This was my most exciting sports moment. Absolutely. This is the best part about sports all weekend. And first of all, not only did he finish the race, he did an entire extra lap. He just kept on running the whole race. He ran the entire race another like another time and a half until finally he was like, all right, now I'm good. I've shown off. I can do I can do what I do now. Why do we even need jockeys? That's well, that's that's what I was gonna say. Imagine being the jockey that gets beat by a horse without a jockey. Your job, you're out. Yeah, I, I think that maybe the whole entire sport needs some revamping, and they should look into uh, they should look into not having jockeys at all. They'd go faster. You mean right. just like let horses do their thing? Exactly. I mean, you, you, you get an opportunity to coach up the horse, get him ready for that moment. You look him in the eye and you say, all right, go do what you're meant to do. Let's get this dub. And that's it. Now, here's the other thing about the jockey. He falls off the horse. I feel like not a great competitor. If it were me, I fell off the horse, I would, I would run. You got to run and try to catch up with that horse, get back on the horse. You got to run, see if you can make it back there. Mm, I mean, they got little legs. Yeah, all, the fun, yeah. all the funnier. But, but that's the thing. I think it's a very good point by Ethan here. Thank like the, the horse showed heart. The, exactly. jo- the jockey just late. Was he, was he injured? I don't even know. No, he said he was fine. He said he wasn't even going to see a doctor. Okay, so the dude's fine. What a hardo. Like, Go to the doctor, dude. It's, not that big. it's just precautionary here. Well, you fell I mean, off a horse. That's a long way down. Yeah, sure. Go see the doc. But if he's saying that he's fine, then I think, I think Ethan's point here that, like, dude, 
get up right. and, and contribute to the race in some way. Just go mm-hmm. run after him and root him on. Let's go, Bodie. And I mean, um, right. The horse, the horse did it, and he and he wouldn't. And it kind of what it made me think about was first of all, if it could ever happen, right? Because I really just want to see jockeys all five, one of them and one hundred and ten pounds of them go run. Um, if they ever do have a time where the horses are finished exactly tied, okay, which seems pretty unlikely, right? Nearly impossible. But what I would like to see as a tiebreaker, if that should ever happen, the Kentucky Derby say, is that the two jockeys then have to get off. Got off the horse, and then they have to run a race between themselves with a larger person behind them whipping them in the back. I'm into this. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. If it should ever happen, and I don't know the tie-breaking rules. If there is, could it possibly be a tie-breaker? Because now they have pretty pretty high-tech cameras. They, they probably get the little extra nose hair that the horse you know, would probably win. But if, if maybe that is the tie-breaker that they have. The yeah, jockeys have to get off the horse and run. I like it, and uh, this does remind me. I was watching a track meet the other day, and these two dudes. Why would be? My well, first it, it made it onto Twitter. I wasn't okay. really watching a track meet, but I mean, <laughs> I, down, yeah, goes down to the local middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but there was on hey, Twitter radio insecurity. I mean, marks back. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> it was one time. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I mean, I got nothing against people watching track, but I, you know, I, I was just watching it on Twitter, and this dude was running. They were going, you know, right next to each other, and he dove for the finish. Oh, I saw that. I did yeah. see this okay. clip. Yeah. And, and then he, he dove for the finish line. He got the arms out there, and then he laid on the ground dead. But he, but he won the race. Not like the road rash you get from that. Ugh. I had a, I had a, I wouldn't call him a friend, but I had a kid that I went to <laughs> to to grammar school with. You guys know. What grammar school is K through five? Yeah. Elementary school. Yeah, elementary school. There you go. I feel like grammar school sounds like an old man, which is not good for podcast realm. But so back in the day, Paul Tarpey, he we would play kickball or whatever on 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 the uh, whatever the gravel, the blacktop, okay. the blacktop, blacktop. blacktop, the blacktop. We would play on the blacktop. Thank mm-hmm. you, Ashley. And he would slide into second base, Ugh. and then he and then he would lay on the ground like he was dead, and he wanted all the sympathy. And I'm like, and we would be like, people wouldn't walk up to him, dude. You just want attention. Why would you slide on there? And don't the, you like bleed? He would act like you would act like he just broke his leg, like he was done. I'm like, look, Tarpy, get up, get up, Tarpy. And and but then he, you know, he'd get up like three days later, and then the next day he'd be diving back in there. I, I know you went deep today. I on, did go deep on uh, tiebreakers in other sports, uh, which was somehow. Somehow came out of Bodhi Express doing what he did. Exactly. Well, I went. You saw my train of thought. I went to the Bodhi Express. Jockeys should get off and, and race for tiebreakers. So here we are. Now I have some tiebreaker ideas for the other major sports. Okay. So I have three for each. All right. So I'm going to lay some out for you. you. Guys can you know tell me what you think. Pick which one you would like to see those places uh, implement. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm excited. All right. So let's go for baseball first. Instead of going extra innings, we go to a little home run derby. The Israeli Baseball League, actually, which was no longer existed, no longer exists. It existed for one year, but their tiebreaker was <laughs> instead of going to extra innings, they'd have a home run derby. You don't really sell me on a league. This right. is what it, they did, and they, they only don't lasted exist one year. Anymore. Well, there's a lot of reasons that they didn't exist longer than that. But, anyways, cool idea. What do you guys think? Home run derby and extra innings. No, no extra innings. No, I understand. Instead, instead of right, extra innings, yeah. my bad. Extra uh, innings is the worst overtime extra play in all of sports. Because it just goes on, and you never know when it's going to end. There's no clock. There's no more beer sales. Like it just goes on and on and on. The beer sales thing that that's a problem. That is unjust. But yes, I kind of like it. I would. I'm I'm down. If you had the first person in a home run, you got throwing BPs, and you can match it on the other side. That, yeah, I mean, I mean, what about like a shootout in the sense of like whoever hits a home run first? 
to well, expedite have to have, it. Have I'm trying to, to go easy. home. Right. No, by, I hear by the ninth you. inning, I'm done. I'm Y'all done don't like baseball. extra innings for, for real? I, I actually do. I mean, <laughs> I love baseball, so I'm not going to. I love I'll sit baseball, there. but nine innings is plenty. Plenty A couple of, of weeks ago, the Cubs went to 15 innings. It was awesome. Freezing I know. Cold. I was, I was sitting working on my couch. <laughs> so you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, my God, and this game. So you were on your couch. You're not in the stands. You're not trying to drive home in traffic. Like It's different when you're watching it at home. I'll give you that. It's the only time that I watch baseball where I really feel on edge, though, is when it gets to the, this could be it right effing down. And so, it, I, I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah, I like the pressure. Yeah. But, but when it's like... I'd put a runner on second base for real to do that. That'd be sweet. Runner on second, let's go. Okay, right. what else you got? Next, next idea. So, how often do we listen to announcers and they say, man, this is a real chess match between these two managers out there, right? So, let's put that to the test. Let's get each manager, <laughs> it's supposed to be smart, put him on the pitcher's mound, and they got to play a game of chess. Winner takes all. I hate chess. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Give me some love here, man. It's just, I, mean, I like it. I respect the commitment <laughs> mm-hmm. to the lingo, but I'm out on the chess. I mean, I, I, I'm getting a visual of, of, of the, you know, the, the groundskeepers come in. They set up the table. An epic table. Right. It's going to be cool. I mean, that's... And you then know. the managers actually have to do something. I mean, right. in my opinion, baseball managers don't do a whole lot. You dream know? job. Right, dream, dream job. job. They just kind of sit there, and he just is like, oh, like now I can't use that right-hander anymore. And it's like, yep, oh, call the guy, the obvious guy who's in there. Oh, this is a lineup which already sets itself. So, man, make them, make them earn their like $4.5 million that they're making a year. All right, chess for – okay. And? Uh, last one for baseball. I call this one the old white guy, okay? We get uh, the oldest, grumpiest-looking white guy in the stands, bring him onto the field and then we get the two best bat flippers for each side they flip a bat and see who can make the old white guy the angriest okay the reddest reddest, right exactly and then whoever whoever makes him the angriest with their bat flip um that that team wins I love this. Maybe we could like read some really progressive tweets. Right. There you go. Yeah no like really just piss them off. Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of old white guys at baseball games who would never shortage of candidates. No shortage of candidates. I love this. You know that the average age of your baseball fan is right now, I believe, is 57 years old? I was going to say that. 50, 57. 57. That's a little bit of a problem for the game. But this way, you know, right. you're taking advantage of that situation. Exactly. Good, and, good. They wouldn't, and they wouldn't get they wouldn't get that we're making fun of them. You know, they would just be excited no. to be on the field. Right. And they, they think <laughs> that they were actually providing a service for society. I got it. Yeah. All, right. All right. The old white man. What, what, what sport are we going to now? So now what's Wait, what's be, your pick? Yeah, what's our we pick? pick? We have to vote. Yeah. Between those three? Yeah. I like the home run derby. I like old white man. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna decide. I mean, I guess I'll be the tie-breaking vote here. I'll go with the uh, the old white man hey. as well. Yeah, right. Garm. Old white man. Maybe, maybe you didn't like that one because you are too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Did you just call me old no, white no, 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 man? No, 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 no. I was actually looked at me. I she didn't said, say anything. She said, "Say it," and I said, "I'm not gonna say that." Okay. <laughs> on the podcast, on the mark, <laughs> sort of got the and 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 called old white. I'm not an old white man, man. No, 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 no you're not. No, your hair looks looks. Uh, I do dye my hair, and that's why I do it. <laughs> so I'm not old white man. All right, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, first one I got for the NBA. So the NBA, I think, really, among other things, I really think it's a it's a cool handshake league, okay, right? Everyone has a cool handshake. You see LeBron going down the line. He's got a, an awesome handshake with everyone. So I say, end of the game, you pick your two best handshakers for each team, and they have two minutes to come up with a cool, unique handshake, and then the refs vote who has the better handshake. 
which ref are we going to go see? I don't know if the ref, I'm getting into the details here. Like, mm. ref's got to, I mean, we got some old white men as referees here. Like, that's is Dick, true. Is Dick Pavetta going to We, we gonna, could do, we could do a fan vote. We could do, like, by applause. That's like home field advantage. That's also, know? it's a good point. Fa- uh, fan vote. Fan vote, I mean. Like, we could go back old school to, like, American Idol when you would, like, right, yeah, text, text in. it in. Yeah. Text it in, yeah. I wish, I always wish I knew someone who would really take the lead on that and they'd be like, hey, man, we're going to have this really cool handshake forever, but I, I don't have that. Yeah, I don't have it either. I would love that too. Ashley, you're looking at us like we're crazy. You don't yeah, want a cool hand. Yeah, time for that. No. Imagine <laughs> doing that like at the bus stop or like at the grocery store. You see an old friend. Everyone would be like, what are those grown men doing at like the bananas? Like what is Sorry, going on? we have best friends and we want to like, hang it, it out and be cool. on the basketball court. It looks cool. But if you got, yeah, if you did that like your pickup game, I'd be like, all right, settle down. I mean, I'd like to walk into the office, see Hunter Armour and just do a, do a sweet freaking start Make of the day. Make it happen. Like, like something. I, What's you know? stopping you? That's what I'm saying. Is I'm not cool I, enough to do that. Right, exactly. Well, Keith clearly isn't. I don't feel like I just don't have you know the thought, the creativity to, to create a new mm. handshake like that and have it be so cool. Like, they're so cool. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to number two. Number okay. two. <laughs> so the other thing that's really – the thing that's really missing in the NBA these days, if you talk to stats guys, right, all they ever want you to do is three-pointers – and dunks, right? That's the name of the game. So it's really lost to all those people who really love the mid-range, the mid-range jumper. So I say we have a mid-range jumper competition. The mid-range J, which is one of my favorite uh, warm-up games myself. I don't know if you guys play the elbow game. We got two columns. You, you hit one, it goes at the make column. That's one. The miss column is the, you get two. You got to get to twelve on the make column before you get to twelve in the miss column. It's an elbow jumper. I don't know if anyone's following me. Are you a, actually I, you there? With I him? understood it. It just sounds like an awful lot of math when I'm trying to shoot. Yeah, but it's really ba- very like You just ba- got to catch and shoot. Like, second, don't think too much. I second that, yeah. O- overwhelming right at the start, but actually very simple in, in process. You both did very well on your ACTs. You uh, you could get this done. Believe me, a 22 over here. I, I got it done. So, so the two-column game, bang, bang. I, I, it's, it's, I'm with you. I like a good mid-range jumper. Yeah, and it's a lost start in the NBA, so okay. we'll, we'll bring it back. Uh, last one is we will have a flopping competition. So... <gasps> Best two floppers on each team get together, and they have an actual fight, but no one gets to actually hit each other. It's just about who can make it the most realistic that it looks like they got hit in the face. I love this. Very skewed for LeBron. Tremendous flopper. He well, just had practice. It's an art. It's, it's so. practicing, right? And now, yeah. now that if they make it the actual the actual tiebreaker, then a lot of people will practice, and we'll have some this. the really the best floppers in the world, which they already do. But I mean, for so for the record, my vote for the basketball world is the handshake game. I think handshake the handshake game. Yeah, I would I would love to see them just line up and let's go. Okay. If we could text in a vote, I kind of like it. Yeah, texting a vote, <laughs> texting that'd be vote. great. And it'd be cool because then, like, I feel like it would be great for the NBA, right? Everyone's like, oh, did you hear, like, the Lakers, you know, Trailblazers game is going into the handshake mode and you know, everyone get out their phones and you get to watch it. And so if you weren't t- turned into the game, right, you might be like, oh, I want to watch it so I can text in my vote, you know? I love it. Let's hit the NFL. So NFL, so I have you guys ever fun. seen the movie <laughs> Troy? Troy. Yeah. Ashley? No. It's a double no. It's a double uh, no. With Brad Pitt? No? no. I love Brad Pitt. Very good looking man. Brad Pitt, first of all, in this movie, he is so ripped and oiled up the entire time. It's, I mean, he looks amazing. It's just, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. So anyways, what happens at the very beginning of Troy, they like, they're having this big giant war, right? And then they're like, well, let's just settle this, our best man against your best man, one-on-one. And then they bring in Brad Pitt and he's all oiled up. And yeah, Ashley's <laughs> got a picture of him. How, how much oil is on his body right now? Good yeah. God. <laughs> the yeah. he's, he's very oiled up and super ripped. So anyways, so uh, point is, at the end of a football game, just one, one against one, their best against their best. You know, Aaron Donald versus Khalil Mack. 
center center of the you know midfield fight it to the death maybe the death is extreme you know we don't want people to die but i'm still hung up on the excess oil (laughs) so the thought of like these two beefy men i thought it was just gonna they don't have to be oiled up on the football field although you were pretty fixated on that yeah well but just brad pitt it's just like when i think of brad pitt from troy i just think of an entire bottle of oil oiled up on a football field everyone close their eyes and picture aaron donald oiled up for a second i mean i was just Closing my eyes and picturing that this was the thing. Like you would have, you would take your best physique on each team. You'd oil them up and they'd stand and they'd feel, <laughs> and that's your winner. That's what I. That's where I thought you were going. Oh, maybe that could work too. I, mean, I was thinking of a fight, but yeah, that maybe sounds we like angry white man them. 2.0. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we could have, we could have just oil them up and just have them and and watch them and they can vote. I mean, do the text. I don't thing. know. If I like like that. a catwalk. <laughs> yeah, you you want to keep your players healthy, so I mean, this would be you know I'm just, just I mean I'm I'm assuming it's one of these. Yeah things is going to happen down the line yeah. so let's make it real and yeah. i think oiling them up and having right. to stand there that's a, that's a doable that thing that is real what do sure. you do when it gets cold out that's They're, part of the that's part of the deal you know that's actually mm. one of the things that they do i hear is they put vaseline mm-hmm. right to for warmth i don't get it but you're shaking it like traps you know. the heat in yeah uh so the next <laughs> one uh, the next one that i have is basically a slight alternative to the idea above but instead of having two anyone uh, it has to be the two kickers I hate kickers in football, and I think that they just don't do anything, and they have so much, they get so much credit, they get so much blame, right? And so I think that for the tiebreaker, they should just get out there and they have to fight each other. This is the dude who just brawls it out at the end of the game. Instead of being a kicker, now we've gone completely the other side, and you are uh, the enforcer. That's your name. You're not the kicker, you're the enforcer. And if we get to enforcer time, you go and enforce. Yeah. Well, kicker by day, enforcer by night. I'm a nonviolent type of guy. Me too. Yeah. I don't like this. <laughs> all right. All right. Like, well, think, let's utilize what skills does a kicker have? They're pretty flexible. Yeah. So, who can do a better yoga? There you go. High better kick, po- kick line. But, but is that really what you want to Endurance. watch? Endurance. Do I want to watch a guy do yoga or anyone do yoga ever? I don't know. What are you scared of? I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> hey, easy there. But uh, I'm not scared of anything. I just, I, I just think that the kickers, listen, they go to practice all day. All they have to do is this one thing. They kick the ball. So maybe they should just work on another, another skill because uh, no. otherwise they're just bored at practice. I'm no, just trying to give them something else to do. I, I mean, I think you're in the majority. If, if you had to vote here, would you rather watch a kicker's fight versus kickers do yoga? You, you probably would win that. But me and Ashley would maybe be We're sitting. Out, yeah. yeah, we would, right. we would right. be, That's we, fair. We'd be happy with a nice flexibility <laughs> training thing. That's fair. All right. My last one for the NFL is uh, we're getting we're getting a little maybe more realistic. I don't know. Although I think the oral up one's probably pretty realistic. But uh, <laughs> the two point conversion, essentially college overtime rules, right? But let's just put the ball two point conversion. You get one chance to do it. The AFC Championship game, Chiefs Patriots, right? Maybe you get a, a play called I don't know, Deflate Gate, where Patrick Mahomes he's about to hand the ball off, instead he deflates the ball, puts it in his hand warmer, walks mm-hmm. into the goal, right? And then everyone will remember like, oh, remember that Deflate Gate play? That was that was awesome, right? And we would just remember those plays. The Philly special. It'd be crazy. It'd be quick. It'd be fast. Two-point conversion is one of the most fun things about football, and I hate that it doesn't happen often enough. I mean, Ashley, you're a resident Philly fan. You're getting Philly special right here on On the Mark with Mark Carmen. This is big for you right now. This is big for me. Uh, Selfishly, I wanted the Philly special to be, like, my thing. Like, I don't want other people to have it. So That is selfish. I'm off, (laughs) off board. Not on board for this one. I go back to oiled up. Aw, I, like I the, want it. I, want, the, I, I like the fact that and you then want they, to everyone it. called it. The, I never wanted to hear Philly special again after like that year. I like that you're protecting your territory. I actually yeah. like this idea. Uh, I enjoy two point conversions. I enjoy like it's all on the line in this very moment. You were actually talking about you know skill, 
creativity, everything combined. So do you get points for the name? Uh, I mean, I wasn't thinking that, but yeah, we can. I mean, listen, I'm, 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 uh, I'm a man of the people, so I'm, whatever the people want. I, I'm, I'm for the, I'm, I'm, my vote for the NFL portion is the, is the two point. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm agree with that. Obviously, I, we know I, Ashley. Yeah, same. Wants, oh, no. I thought you want the oil. I don't actually. <laughs> it's very intimidating. Well, you looked it up on your computer, so I. I, I, I needed listen. context. Yeah. I'd never seen the movie. Ethan. Yeah. Great to see you, buddy. Always, always a pleasure, my friend. Wrapping up the show today with Dan Selke, winteriscoming.net. You are Game of Thrones to me, Dan. Just so you know, I don't watch the show, as you know, but you're like, it's over. And last night, was was it emotional for you? Did you cry? What happened? I didn't, it wasn't emotional. I'm sure that'll come. Uh, I had to stay at the office so late at night to cover it. It's, I kind of get into this groove where I don't really feel strong emotions until much later. It's just about covering it and thinking about it. And then uh, I'm sure I can uh, decompress my own time. So at some point, you're going to be sitting on the oh, couch yeah. somewhere, and then all of a sudden the tears are just going to come. <laughs> It'll be like 3 a.m. and we'll just wake up bawling. I don't, won't know why in like oh. a month. Aw, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, so did you like the ending? I did, yeah. I, I thought it was a good ending. You know, this show has been extremely influential in a lot of ways. Um, the Final season has taken a beating, a critical beating. It didn't get good reviews the last season? Really? Oh, people have hated it. It's, been, it's taken a big critical drumming. Definitely the uh, the harshest it's been. People have like it's kind of cut in corners, but um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the last episode. I thought it was uh, it rounded out the series nicely. It gave me a sense of satisfaction. So I've watched the I've watched four episodes of season one. I was I, I, I had this last moment like I gotta catch up. I gotta get in there. Really? Uh, did you really? I did. Like, uh, like when? Like recently? Yeah. Like three weeks ago. <laughs> you decided to try. Honest, I have a little guilt. I'm like, oh, I should have. I should have. I had two, what was it, two years in between the last season? Yeah, it was like a year and a half. I yeah. Mean, you know what? Well, now if you're ever bored and like, I don't know, trapped uh, <laughs> under a pile of rubble or like under house arrest or something, you have something to do. So why did you get interested in the show in the, in the first place? I mean, I'm just a giant dork. I read the books before. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I'm a giant dork. I read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid and read Harry Potter, watched those movies. So when there was a hot new fantasy show that everybody said I should watch, <laughs> I, it didn't take a lot of convincing for me to watch it. And then uh, I got to the end. There was no more. I'm like, that's not acceptable. So I read all the books. And then when it came back, um, I started to watch it again. So yeah, it was an easy sell for uh, me and a lot of people. Well, when I think of Game of Thrones, it's been on for so long. Yeah, I remember being like in high years. school and it was on TV. <laughs> Do you think that you've grown up with the show, or you can no, appreciate it differently? Old. Yeah, I was at a different point. Yeah, that has changed, but no. I mean, that—that's just how old I am. Um, I was still more of the same person as I was back then. Same. So, yeah, but- 2011 Dan would have had the same review of the finale in the series. Oh, I can't know that. Who can know? But you were a lawyer back then, and you ended up writing on a nah, TV show. Doing- That's incredible. I was still in school back then. Okay. Um, <laughs> See, you were different. Right, you were different. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you're right. That is a fun little tidbit about me. I was a, a lawyer for like a half a year, hated it, and then I was writing. I was, I was, I was writing on the side, and uh, they offered me this job, and I'm like, sure, that sounds fun. I heard that people are very upset that Daenerys got killed. Yeah, that's very accurate. Good pronunciation and a good recall <laughs> and good accuracy. Well, were you pissed that Daenerys got killed? I was a little ticked that they kind of made Daenerys, who was a popular character on the show Game of Thrones. Um, take this turn toward the end, but I thought her death scene was terrific. 
I thought uh, the final <laughs> denouement, the, like, the, the final stretch of that was really, really good. They did a lot with it. Who was your favorite character? Probably Sansa Stark, I'll say that. Give, give me the why. Okay, because um, I thought she had a very, kind of from start to finish, compelling arc. She starts out as this like naive, kind of a dreamy, boy-crazy little girl. And she gets, over the eight years, it's pretty satisfying. She goes from being, she hardens up. She gets a lot more wise and smart. Goes through some big tragedy and ends up uh, the queen in the north. So I thought a nice, uh, a nice, satisfying, fun ending for her. Who did you want to see get killed that like hung around for a long time? Yuan uh, Greyjoy was pretty annoying. He's a <laughs> pirate dude. If uh-huh. you ever watch it, you'll figure it out. Okay. We'll get there. We're going to do this, Ashley. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's such a cultural thing. I have no one to watch it, it with because everyone's that already is, seen it. That, well, I it's kind of lonely. Like I want to watch it with someone. <laughs> I want to be able to like ask questions and experience it with someone. So. I bet someone will be willing to watch it with you again. Yeah, I know. We're gonna have oh, to a TV viewing show? party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, possibly, quite possibly. Carmen Ashley I mean, rewatch Game of Thrones for those who never watched it, and we just do episodes. So uh, before you go, Dan, I just want to give you like like thirty seconds just to talk about what Game of Thrones meant for you. I don't. I want to. I want to. I want to evoke some emotion here. Like when you th- when you think about it, with the show being over right now, and you know you'll probably go on and be some entertainment superstar and all that type of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, want that. I mean, I think that is in your future. But like, what what would like what about the show? Like, what if you were going to submit? Like, Game of Thrones meant a lot to me because it was my livelihood for a little bit. That's the honest answer. Um, I mean, it, it meant a lot to me because I, I, I love this genre. I love uh, I love TV. <laughs> I always have. I love movies. I love TV. I love books. I love getting sunk into a story. This was a really, 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 really good one. It had the detail that someone like me kind of craves. I thought it had a lot of depth and breadth. And I'm really excited to see what it means for TV. More than anything, it's changed TV in a lot of big ways. It's expanded the scope of what a TV show can be. Everybody... This kind of investment they put into this, um, nothing remotely like it had been done on television. And what we're going to see now, what I'm curious to see, is all the networks who are going to like, shoot for the moon and vie for what, how big can we go to kind of um, yeah, find something that has as much influence and uh, power and penetration. It's going to be good for TV viewers because people are going to be competing hardcore for watchers, which is, and they're going to be doing it on a scale that just wasn't done before. I mean, God, you think back to the like nineties when the big shows were like Friends <laughs> or, or like The Office after that, which are great shows, but just they're they're so small comparatively. This is definitely a new era. Movies and TV are kind of blending in a way, and I think Game of Thrones is responsible for a lot of that. Well, that's what people say. Like each episode was more like a movie than an actual show. Yeah, it was, and that's um, again what I'm curious to see how much further TV networks can push it because they're definitely going to try. We're going to see some really interesting successes and some really um, catastrophic failures over the next, like, five to ten years. And Game of Thrones is going to be the impetus for all that. Well, Dan, congratulations. You covered a TV show better than anyone's ever covered a TV show. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's got to be true. And what's coming up net, just to let you know, is uh, an all-purpose sci-fi fantasy genre television site. So go there. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. And... um, you know, cover this new era of TV better than anything before. Wasn't there going to be a sequel? I mean, people are talking about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be a prequel series. HBO's not going to let that um, just go. (laughs) Right. Too much meaning. Right. Dan, good to see you. As we wrap up the show here, a ton of thank yous today. 
as uh, we go to uh, all our guys from the NBA draft with, with Tyler Cook from Iowa, Quinn Grimes, Kansas, Taco Falls, Central Florida, Jordan Bone from Tennessee, Sean Hyken, Bleach, uh, Bleach Report, Ethan Blumenthal, all on the show today. Thank you to you, Ashley Young. And a reminder, please subscribe to On The Mark, which comes out every Monday afternoon. We appreciate it. Subscribe, give a rating, and uh, yes, uh, listen longer. Tell your friends we are trying to build this podcast into something special for one and all. Thanks to Hunter Armour for producing as well, and we will see you next week.